Hi, this is Jay Todd Anderson, and you are listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Smacks of the 70s. I'm Nikki Dakota welcoming you to another edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. And in the long tradition of duos on the run, it is a very fine pleasure to be joined in the studio by our film guys. They are on your radio left, storyboard artists for the Coen Brothers uh, for every movie since Raised in Arizona and many, many movies that we know and love. He is our artist, our friend, and our film guy, J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Also in the studio on your radio right is the one and only largest frame brain on the planet and nitrate film archivist at the Library of Congress, our man at the Library of Congress. He is George Willeman. George, welcome. Oh, just get away. <laughs> get away. <laughs> we have gathered together to celebrate the 1972 movie, The Getaway. A fine, perfect film it is. It's, uh, it's one of these just raw, wonderful, inviting, young love, young passion, and... And running from the law. And violence and gunshots in slow motion and, and blood and spraying. And, <laughs> and use all that lead kind of uh, philosophy. Yeah. Every bullet that he's got and make sure everything is red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With blood. Cherry spray. Starring Steve McQueen, Ally McGraw, and they both just look fabulous. Mm-hmm. And As, they were a couple of Steve McQueen is... The personified Steve McQueen in this show, mm-hmm. cool, unemotional. It's just, you know, he's rough on kids, he's rough on women, he's rough on cars. He's rough, rough on, on himself. He does not like smart alecks. Um, and he hardly says a word. Yeah, he doesn't say much. <laughs> he just reacts a lot, you know. This movie, The Getaway, uh, is perfect in every way. And uh, why? Because the film guys say so. And why is that? Because they have a set of rules. These are not to be trifled with. All must be met. And in this case, they are. Gentlemen, what are those rules? The Getaway is a perfect movie because it, cre- it creates that world that it exists in. And it wholly sustains that world. Regardless of changes in society, it retains its meaning and entertainment value. And the getaway will never be placed in any preferential or numerical order. It is perfect in its own scale. So this movie has a beautiful opening. It starts with uh, deer. Deer in the field. Well, it's elk you get this. and that sort of animal. Oh, right? deers yeah. And elks. Deers and, and elks. They're out in the prison yard. But you don't know that right away. Right. It t- takes you a second to realize they're, they're roaming the grounds of mm-hmm. the prison. You're, you're brought into this situation through a series of mechanical noises, and you'll find out that th- that's the loom. I mean, they're making clothing and things in the it's prison. It's in prison. They put, yeah. the, put the guys to work. And they're all wearing white, and you get the feeling they must have to make their own clothes. And, and you see, it's, you know, <laughs> Steve McQueen's in there running a loom. And uh, you know, one of the really cool parts about this movie is Sam Packapal, the director on this picture, really kind of understood Steve McQueen's character and his appeal because everything is so very subjective for the first seven minutes. You're in Steve McQueen's head, and you're trying to figure out 
it's he's there's a, a certain amount of mystery that's going on, but it's completely subject. It's you show him he's in there building bridges and he models. He gets turned down, right, George? For his, yeah, he's right. he's in there for his uh, parole hearing. Armed robbery is what he's done, right? But and keep in mind when George tells the uh, gives you kind of a one one off on this that the first seven minutes of this is a completely subjective arrangement through a really incredible editing. And, and camera placement. Camera placement and sound work. That's yes. one of the most amazing things about this film, which we'll talk about a little bit. And then they the blast right into the movie and they start telling you the narrative. It becomes more conventional. Right. Yeah, there's not, there's hardly even a word spoken. Certainly Steve McQueen doesn't, but you're following him and you, you get this information that he's been denied parole mm-hmm. and that he's got he has to do the remainder well, of his tenure. And a lot of the, the scenes in that opening section are not shown in strictly linear order. They kind of move back and forth. You know, flash days here, ahead and flashing, and flashing forward here. and flashing back. And whenever, you know, at the point where it seems like he's going to get out, the, the ever-present kind of chugging of these looms goes away. But the moment they say parole denied, the first thing you hear, that chugging sound comes back in and becomes louder and louder. They also use louder. that when they get deeper into the movie and he feels that uh, that that terrible prison kind of thing is on the horizon they bring back those machine noises mm-hmm. and and they also try to kill him in so many different ways with the trash truck and it's all very <laughs> we're gonna kill you with mechanical devices steve mcqueen because that's where you belong in prison but basically to, to try and sum up a little bit of the story of the getaway and again in this one i do not want to give away the ending because it's just it's just too darn good mm. but in a nutshell the story concerns Doc McCoy, played by Steve McQueen, who, as we said, is in the Huntsville prison uh, for armed robbery, and he's denied parole. And he kind of at first kind of goes back to his daily grind, and he just he just realizes he cannot stand it anymore. So next visiting day, his beautiful wife, uh, Carol, played by Ali McGraw, comes to see him, and he just says – he just comes up, sits down, says, tell Banyan I'll do whatever he wants. So – Ali McGraw goes to visit Banyan, Jack Banyan, who is a an official in the government, played by the ever great Ben Johnson, just one of the great ones. Um, ben Johnson of all the John Ford films. Ben Johnson of uh, Last Picture Show. Even and the this one minor roles like Son of uh, Kong. He's a cowboy in yeah. that movie. He's an amazing guy. Ben Johnson is just slime personified in this movie. And uh, so Alan McGraw goes to him and you know, says that he, you know he'll do whatever he wants, and and Johnson kind of makes some overtures to her that maybe there's a little something more that they can do to seal this deal up, but then you, you're not let in on any more information at that time. So next thing he knows, Doc's outside the prison, and he's on his way back into society, and of course, but his, his girlfriend comes to pick him up, and she's late. <laughs> Yeah, she's late. Yeah. <laughs> in prison all this time. It's got to be a bad An story. hour away to pick him up. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that is hard. So the first thing he has to do is he has to go and meet Banyan to find out. And, and we also find out exactly what the heck is going on with this arrangement. And we have a little sound piece here where he meets him in the San Antonio Riverwalk. And uh, Banyan is having lunch on this little putt-putt flat boat that goes down the river along with some of his uh, ugly and badly dressed henchmen. In paddle boats. In paddle boats. <laughs> you got to be kidding us. Not at all. Just a pleasant way to have lunch. Sit down. Good to see you in them civilian clothes. Just take the long arm, can you? No, it's hard to say how those things happen. 
parole board almost never changes their decision. Must be because I'm a model prisoner. This is the only time you and I meet in public. Any business with me, you handle it with him. He's my brother. Back with your own people now. Got you some professionals. I get my own men, Benny. You run the job, but I run the show. And don't forget it. So the two professionals he hooks him up with are these guys, Rudy and Frank, who paddle up next to the little boat in this ridiculous-looking <laughs> device. And uh, the whole caper turns out to be this bank robbery of this bank that uh, is not a really big bank but gets a lot of money in for an oil company, so it has a pretty good-sized haul. And and so, you know, it's, it's sort of the typical crime caper thing where, you know, Finding them, out when the riches are right, concentrated. And, and building the, 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 the getaway and, and all that kind of thing. And... The robbery is a disaster. They do get away with the money, but not without killing the guard. And and one of the bad guys kills the other bad guy, and everything starts falling apart. So the bulk of the movie is is the McCoys get away from everybody who's after them, including one of their own henchmen, uh, Benyon's men, uh, the police, and you know constantly it's the, the the you know they keep crossing back and forth and meeting up with these guys and having to to to, to work and fight. And eventually, to add the biggest part of this, the biggest uh, sort of um, problem that they have is McCoy finds out how he ended up getting out of prison and what his wife had to do what exactly to get him out of prison. What exactly Banyan, the, the price right. he exacted. His wife admits that Banyan basically said, you know, had her sleep with him to let McCoy out of prison. And he does not react well to this. And the second little sound grab... Uh, this is basically his reaction. And there's not a lot of dialogue in this. So you got to kind of imagine they're standing by the side of the road. And he and has Steve a bit McQueen of a, is beating up Allie McGraw. He's kind of slapping her around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's just teaching her a lesson, that's yeah. all. Didn't you tell me, huh? Oh! Tell me. There wasn't any way to explain it. You sent me to him, you know. What the hell do you want anyway? Now, George swears. He thinks Steve actually hits her at some point in this sequence. It certainly looks like it. I mean, this is and a, they were a married couple at the time, they were married, or at least a couple. Or else they, they became, couple, you know, they got attracted somehow. We don't know if it's from this scene. But, <laughs> oh, oh, man. Um, this is some pretty plum acting here, and it's a little hard to take, but here we're talking about these characters that are identified in this picture, and now you're closer than you ever thought you were going to be. We're not watching it from a distance. We're up close. We're uh, you're listening to Filmically Perfect on ninety one three WYSO, and we're talking about the perfect movie nineteen seventy two's The Getaway, starring Steve McQueen, Ali McGraw, and uh, directed by Sam Peckinpah. And their relationship—it's so funny. There's so many Steve McQueen, Ali McGraw. 
Tom or Doc McCoy. There's a lot of it's very interesting. uh, Her feelings always get in the way of everything. It's always her feelings, but the dynamics of the situation uh, are constantly back and forth. It's in this. We're watching a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's also interesting, sort of his feelings of propriety in that you kind of get the idea. His anger uh, toward her and his reaction is more that, you know, I, it's great that I, you got me out of prison, but I, you shouldn't have done this. Well, you she know, thought I that's what he wanted her to do. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I Why mean, was he she does supposed have to go a, to I mean, him? he does have this sense of honor. That, it's oh. interesting that prisons are always represent an interruption in life almost every time. Well, it um, is, and it's one of the perfect conventions of movies to have this uh, this thing intervene. And and prison it always is just the greatest place to start a story. In this movie, they really show because you see this this panel kind of building and you see these elks and then all this stuff is carried through the whole picture with marriage and it's sort of like baggage you know and mm. they, they just carry it with them because interesting one of the the cooler things about the story is that when they find the money they find out that it's like 75 percent of what they were supposed to have stolen because they had used them as pawns and they went in there and, and taken you know right it's because, it's because yeah scam. Benyon and his brother had been scamming this thing and, and skimming the top and they used this the, basically the real reason for this burglary was to cover cover, cover the money that they had yeah. previously stolen and they hear on the radio that uh, wasn't there supposed to be this amount of money oh. <laughs> like no Huh. So, and also the interesting is talk, talking about the, the idea of marriage in this. There's a second marriage that is kind of uh, becomes a part of this film, as um, the bad guy Rudy, Our played fable. by it's just a played by this, this actor. actor named Al Lettieri, who Short unfortunately life, died very young of a heart attack. But he is in The Godfather. Oh, and he is in this film. Wonderful and actor. He's in a couple other great uh, plays. Great bad guys, and he is just violent and vile <laughs> but he does it with such style you yeah. can't wait to watch this guy but and he, one of the best things is is that he he kind of picks on this character that nobody has liked on television none other than howard sprague whose real name is uh jack, jack dodson. dodson you never really liked howard sprague because he kind of replaced you know barney five so you want to see howard sprague kind of get it <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what they do is they torture this guy. Well, that's a, let me say first of all that the the way he gets into torturing them is is Rudy gets hurt and ends up ends up at this veterinarian's office, and uh, and Jack Dodson is playing Harold Clinton, the veterinarian, and his wife is played by another TV stalwart, uh, Sally Struthers. Dead in the middle of all in the family's yeah. uh, high high. So she, arc run. And yeah. so, I mean, so Rudy comes in and he kind of terrorizes them to fix up his, his wounds. <laughs> Veterinarian. But, but then, you know, the wife finds him very, you know, sexually attractive and exciting, much more than her boring yeah. veterinarian husband. We don't know if it, because he was a small animal veterinarian or <laughs> if he was a large what animal a veterinarian, veterinarian, they might have gotten more. She might have, like, had more from her man. But being that, that our man, uh, our actor comes in here and he just steals the girl away. Just, yeah. Because, yeah, he's he basically he kidnaps he's, them. Oh, he's just so He kidnaps the couple cold. and it makes them, you know, follow the McCoys, basically. But you know, basically, it starts with with the two the two couple the couple in the front seat and Rudy in the back. But within a few scenes, 
it's Rudy and the wife in the back seat yeah. eating ribs and throwing them. <laughs> Which is at one Howard. of the coolest scenes ever where they have a rib fight in the car. <laughs> That's right. And and you know, this meat it's like is flying you through the air. Do, you know? Yeah, right. and, and you want some ribs and of course, you know, Howard Sprague turns them down and they have this rib fight and then then uh Al Littieri, he says, I don't wanna play this game anymore. <laughs> Yeah, he's a really churlish, childish character. I don't want to but play then, and then, this game no more. But then to make it even make things even worse for for the poor uh, veterinarian, uh, a couple overnights they spend in cheap, cheesy hotels, and uh, Rudy delights in tying the veterinarian to a chair and making him watch while he has sex with his wife. Yeah, and and, and she's my, very my. much enjoying it. So don't bring it. the Yeah, she jumps. She no, goes, really. oh, is it time now? And she's kind of jumping up and down and then he takes the rope out and hand, you know, starts going toward Jack Dodson. You know what you got to do now? You got to... <laughs> So in total contrast to to the, to the McCoy's relationship, where, which even though it is severely damaged by her kind of misguided infidelity to help her husband. Well-intentioned. Well-intentioned, yeah. Um, I mean, uh-huh. that, that relationship actually ends up being stronger at the end because of this, uh, while, you know, the, the Clinton's relationship just completely falls apart to the point that, you know, poor, poor Harold takes himself out of the picture completely yeah. in a way which we will not describe yeah. here. But it's, you know, it's really better marriage through bank robbing. (laughs) time and again it brings the family together how many times have they (laughs) figured out just doing a better job at the bank robbery will make all the difference in your marriage this movie really has something for everyone there's 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 betrayals it's got all these wonderful Dub Taylor who's always Dub Taylor always turns people in every movie he's in he does this he he turns him he's just a slimy slimy creepy old hotel room and you know what we're telling you is just only a fraction because this thing is one big chase scene that goes on and on and For on. And you're going to see a lot of similarities from other movies that have been done in the last 20 years to this movie because of the way Sam Peckinpah shot all the chase scenes and everything like and that. And what, where, what, Sam Peckinpah, he's known for which other movies? Peckinpah, uh, I mean, his big breakthrough is probably The Wild Bunch. The Ride the High Country, didn't he do that? Uh, I believe he did that one. Yeah. Um, did a lot of television. He directed he comes a lot out of, of Western television. Right, oh. he comes out of television along with uh, John Frankenheimer and, and uh, that lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he graduated from from television into movies, and for a short time he was quite quite a quite a big a uh, big name. So this was an early mo- movie for, this is, a, for no, him. No, this is not early. This is actually about four films after The Wild Bunch, and after after Wild Bunch he did Straw Dogs, and um, I don't remember what he did after that. But this is like his fourth film after um, after Wild Bunch. So he's riding pretty high right now. And his name is almost as big as his stars. But he wasn't a young man at this time. He he had been around the block quite a bit, and he had made a lot of movies, and uh, you know he directed a lot of television shows. But he had a pers- he just had a personified style that you can identify anywhere. Uh, anybody gets shot in the kneecaps in you know if it's an older movie, you know it's probably him. But nowadays, oh. if people are being shot in the kneecaps, it's because of. Because of him. It's him, man. <laughs> I mean, he made sure there was an extra couple holes in somebody before he got that shot off. Uh, literally, the camera shot. This is on an off, off, uh, off label, I want to say. It's a, um, National General, right? National General. National General was a distributor uh, in the 70s. They, they only lasted for a short time. Um, the film now belongs to, gee, who they belong to? I think it belongs to Warner Brothers now. Huh. Um, 
I can't think right offhand another really great movie that National General put out. But this, this was one kind of a big one for towers them. Towers above. Um, along with Sam Peckinpah, the writer of the screenplay is another filmmaker who went on to be a director who's also known for his violent movies, Walter Hill, uh, who did 48 Hours, Streets of Fire, oh. um, The Warriors. Oh, uh, yeah, I have friends that absolutely that, yes. idolize that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and they the- based it on a Jim Thompson novel, and Jim Thompson was known for kind of his his road road novels and kind of violent stuff. You're listening to Film Weekly Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. We're talking about the 1972 classic film and perfect film, the Getaway, starring Steve McQueen and Ali McGraw, and uh, again, the, there's, there's, I love the the chemistry between the two of them. Despite she's this. just absolutely stunning. Oh, there's so and everybody beautiful. loves you know, man's man Steve McQueen. One of the things I want to talk about here is this is 1972, and this has this lean 70s look. There was a lot of pictures coming out in this period that had this feel and tone, this just incredibly lean look. Um, uh, Banishing Point. They all had this just great kind of feel. Yeah, where it looks like nothing is shot on a set. It, and it, Everything it's yeah. because they finally got yeah. a really lightweight camera that they could shoot sync sound in the field, and that was the Panaflex. But it was still, it was, there, there was this thing where they wanted to shoot films with as little as clutter as possible. And what you're going to see in the, as we go back to the beginning in this movie, you're going to see this, some editing, like George says. Occasionally he'd have a flash of him making love with this girl. Well, this was bold editing, and it's time for a studio to trust that the audience is going to be able to keep up with this kind of uh, exposition was really hard to sell. Nowadays, it's easy because electronic editing, you can just see the difference because nowadays they're so concise, it's almost unappealing Mm -hmm. the way they edit things so concisely now. But back then, it took a lot of time to edit, even the smallest edits, because you had to string the film out and you had to get it. And you watch this stuff, and it still holds up, the editing that he does in the beginning of this film to to get that subjective kind of idea who Steve McQueen is so that way, that way we can run through this whole entire chase scene. Uh, so nowadays when you see things cut almost too concise, go back and look at some of these films like this movie here. This is It's a beautiful opening, just beautiful. Well, and also the idea that I don't think you'd seen a whole lot until Peckinpah got into it, and it's very common now, again, is the is – the, the use of nonlinear sound of, of basically, you know, having a sound that does not relate directly to anything in the scene, but might direct might relate to something that's coming up or relate to something that's already happened, like the noise of the looms. Of the looms. And, and there's like, a few the... other things. There's a few other scenes like that throughout the film. And where... he freeze frames a lot in the opening credits as well. I, I was completely co- captivated by by the opening and, and the looms and the mm-hmm. sound. And then, then as soon as the, the words would go up, the... the the visual the, the would freeze, and yet the sound would continue. And it was very it made you made me just like pay attention. Well, and one of the other attention. the other scenes I think of right off is also right at the beginning when, um, when his wife picks up Doc at the prison. The first thing they do they go to this park because he just wants to be out and walk around and see people. And they go over by this large pool that's in the park. And while he's you know while they're standing there, suddenly you're you're treated to these kind of slow motion scenes. Of both of them leaping in to this pool, you know, from a cliff side, and and kind of frolicking around in the water, and then it will cut back to them standing there, <laughs> and and then at the very end of the scene, he kind of takes her by the hand and starts to like take his jacket off. The next scene is him arriving at home, and they're soaking wet. Yeah, see, he's so you thinking see him about thinking doing it, about doing it. it, and they do it. They don't show now, you doing it. Though. Now, when you're watching that scene. When they get later in the film to this trash com- 
where they're in a trash truck and it's just menacing. The hydraulics are trying to squeeze them and crush them. And what you see is this really great image of the trash truck breaking up to the dump. It's just, you know, it looks like a dump. It's this vast, vast wasteland. The smoking and, wasteland. And, and it yeah. tips over and they fall out of the back of the trash truck so you know they're not killed. But it's very similar to them jumping into... That's right. The image is similar oh, to them jumping like a off callback. the Very, Beautiful. very. Because, and it's in slow motion and, they're, and it's a long shot. So they're very small in the frame, about the same size as in that frame when they jump into the water. So they're still in this marriage, you know? And, and it's really bad. And then the next scene is they're sitting in this junk Volkswagen Beetle That's right. discussing their marriage. <laughs> it's really great. Fantastic. And, and actually, most of their relationship in this movie takes place somehow in or around a car. <laughs> you know, once they get in the car and then the chase <laughs> wow. is on, they, even, even at this point, you know, they've kind of lost their car but, and they're hiding in a junkyard, but they're hiding in a car. I love the film, guys. What I don't learn about movies. But it even figures into the end, which we will not tell you, with Slim Pickens uh, in their getaway. Uh, their eventual Finally. getaway to gotta happiness. Gotta got wheels. Gotta have wheels getaway to, to roll. Getaway to happiness. Yeah. yeah. Watch the movie. Go see it. It's worth it. Every And don't mistake it. the remake of this oh, film. Oh, gosh. Don't do We didn't even stuff. talk about it. Do we want to just briefly no, mention? No, we don't want to talk no, about it. we don't want to talk yeah. about it But we will all. say that Sally Struthers did the best job <laughs> Both George and I think this is the best role well, she, she has she ever, ever had. had you know? She's not doing any of that, oh, daddy, that's television. Man, she's in the big time in this movie. No. She's working for Sam Peckinpah. She's working for Steve McQueen. And she's what was a, his name again? She the, fills that the, role the, the, up. The, the Andy Andy Griffith. Oh, guy. Jack Dodson? Jack Dodson. Yeah. She's the big time with Jack Dodson. That's right. <laughs> and if that guy would have been able to live, Al Lettieri, he probably would have been a huge actor because right. he was... He was taking Hollywood by storm right there. I think that uh, films should be eligible for an extra, you know, like a tenth of a percent of awesomeness if they still uh, outshine their their remake. Uh, and then uh, definitely the 1972 version. I think it was 94 was the uh, the yeah. remake. Running. Well, all I got to say is this much: Alec Baldwin is not, nor will he ever be, Steve McQueen. Kim Basinger's pretty good though. She might maybe one. Closer to an Alan. Remember, Groff. Alec Baldwin played Jimmy Doolittle in Pearl <laughs> Harbor. Well, Give me a break. I think that they were a young married couple and they wanted to do something as and awesome they, as the young you know married couple did. They wanted to, they wanted to torture the film guys. That's what they wanted to do. <laughs> it didn't work. So, as far for the rules, gentlemen, tell me. Uh, we're on it, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, it creates the world. Great, it one of the greatest movies ever made. Even with all the ugly uh, leisure suits, which just kind of add to I the general, the general suits, malaise man. of some of the characters. Especially that guy with the goofy glasses. You know, yeah, because brother, I mean, he's wearing well, a leisure suit. That's also suit. really interesting, even for the time it was made, is that Steve McQueen's clothes are, are very contemporary to the time, but they're still really cool. The bad guys are wearing <laughs> these ugly, platform ugly shoes. suits. And they're wearing those kind of plasticky looking stupid cowboy hats that curl up on the side and that don't seem to fit quite right. And they're sitting right. in their little joint doing like nursery rhymes with their books. And the, yeah. they have nothing to do. The, the total, they, they must have well, spent they, one the, day the, shooting their, all their scenes where they're sitting in the bad guy, guy joint, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Reading coloring books. Well, there's one part where they all get in this big Cadillac convertible, and they've all got the little white cowboy hats on, and they're all just driving along. So, but yes, it's that's really cool when they're going down the highway and they're holding their cowboy hats on the Cadillac. (laughs) 
And it will. And definitely. he holds that shot for a really long time. <laughs> People will be watching this movie for a long time, and they will not be remembering the remake much at all. It is a classic film. It has been a uh, pleasure to uh, to review. And uh, and if you man, if you want to see a beautiful woman, watch this movie because Ally McGraw is so beautiful, drop dead gorgeous, so beautiful. Everything about him and, and their chemistry definitely uh, it plays out. It comes through. It's no wonder they were married. And I bet they were newly married. There was some passion. There's something going on between them that's just uh, probably in between all palpable. those chase scenes and all those squibs going off on you know all around. And they probably decided to tie the knot. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, we are almost out of time. And as usual, as we head out, come see the film guys at perfectmovie.net. You can write to them easy peasy. Film guys at perfectmovie.net. George has been doing some great work on Facebook. You can look us up there. That's We're right. at npr.org, at wyso.org, or you can just come on by. J. Todd Anderson, thanks for being here. Easy peasy, thank you. <laughs> also, George Williman, as always, a treat. Thank you. Stick a fork in me, I'm done. Thank you for listening to an archival episode of Filmically Perfect. Please keep an ear out for new episodes of Filmically Perfect, coming very soon to iTunes and hosted on our website, www.perfectmovie.net. See you, please.